0: Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. How many feet above contradiction do I want to be? uh, I I think I can see your smiling faces better if I'm here, so I'll go here. So, um, well, one, it's great to be here and... uh, It's always good to be with God's people, isn't it? And at the end of today's meeting, we're going to break bread and uh, drink uh, wine together. And of course, that's a remembrance of what Jesus did on the last night with his disciples. And um, it spoke of his death and it prepared them. But for us, it doesn't prepare us for his death. It helps us to remember his sacrifice, but also what that sacrifice bought for us. Forgiveness of sins, a place in heaven, an experience of the Spirit today. Uh, but I've got a question. When is the Lord's Supper not the Lord's Supper? When is the Lord's Supper? You see, in church history, through the centuries, there's been lots of debate about the Lord's Supper. I don't. Sometimes there's been not only debate, but conflict and almost open warfare. So my favourite story in church history about the Lord's Supper is about Martin Luther, the great reformer. And at the time of the Reformation, um, some of the reformers got together because their understanding of the Lord's Supper was a bit different. And um, they were debating across a dining table. And um, at one point, Martin Luther gets so frustrated with the other people. uh, He writes on the table, Hoc corpus meum which all you Latin scholars know, means, this is my body. And Luther saying, that's what it says, so this is it, my body. Uh, the story varies slightly. Some people think he wrote it in chalk. Some people thought he took out his sharp knife and scratched it on the table. Some people thought, think he wrote it in the froth of the beer that he was drinking, which is the story I like best. <laughs> but it was a very explosive thing. And if you know anything, people have discussed what's, what's essential to make the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper. So there's been debate about uh, the right people. You've got to have the right people. So unless you've been ordained by a bishop, you can't do this. Some churches today will have that. have got to have the right people. You've got to have the right words. And the right exact words are so important that you write them down and you read them exactly the same every time. Or you've got to have the right procedure. So I don't know if you've been to a church where they might have bells that they ring at different parts of the service. And and if you don't have that, somehow that's not quite right. Or you might not have the right ingredients. I think some people would raise their eyebrows at Billinghouse Family Church. I mean, (laughs) you know, the bread that Jesus used on that night wasn't like that. I mean, that looks like it has yeast in it. And they had unleavened bread. And um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've got wine. Jesus used wine, that's what it says. At least we don't have those little plastic cups. Because when, when we have those, I can say, we've got a symbol of a symbol in a thimble. <laughs> but I can't say that, so I won't. But, We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 11 and um, it's probably a passage that often is read when people take the bread and wine and we're going to read all of it and you'll notice that Paul says it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So I want you to think about why does Paul say this because I'm absolutely certain they had bread and wine. So verse 17 in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Wow, that's challenging. They come together to worship, to break bread, but Paul will say they do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that they, when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you Have God's approval. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, the other gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A person ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves... Sorry we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. When is the Lord's Supper not the Lord's Supper? Did you, have you ever reflected on that passage? You realise they did the Lord's Supper a little bit differently to us. Because I don't think anyone, if you knew there was going to be breaking of bread today, got up this morning and thought, we don't have to do breakfast. You know, because we're going to... No one comes without eating before, unless you plan to do that. You don't think, oh, this is going to feed me. And um, even if your grape juice was really wine... You would have to be highly sensitive to alcohol, wouldn't you, to get drunk on the bit of wine that you drink when we do the Lord's Supper. So they did something different. How could some of them be hungry, and that be wrong, and some of them get drunk when they do this? Well, you have to understand that most of the early churches, well, none of the early churches had buildings of their own. They couldn't even hire places like this. They would go to the few rich Christians and to their big houses. But the big houses in those days were designed slightly differently to ours. Often they didn't have a second floor, and they would be built around a courtyard. So you would have rooms down here, and rooms along here, and rooms down there, and in the middle you would have a courtyard, and then probably a wall or a fence at the end. So your garden was like in centre of the house. So a little bit of social education about how they did things then. Each of these houses would have a dining room. Do you have rules about who can go into your dining room? I remember when I was much younger going to be was houses and you didn't go into their front room. The front room was special. And hardly ever, ever did anyone go in it, unless it was the minister that came round or someone important like that. Well, in these houses, the people that went into the dining room were the rich, the powerful, and the, the people with status. That's what normally would happen. And anybody else would, go, would be met in the courtyard. Remember, it's a much warmer climate in the main. Um, so there was like, where you ate or where you met, were met told you something about how you were considered. Um, years ago, I was in a, a Baptist church manse. That's like the house for the pastor. And it had been built in Edwardian times. And there was a front door and there was a back door and there was a side door. Important people would come to the front door. But the idea was that if you were a tradesman or if you were the lady that does, you know, came and cleaned the house, you didn't come to the front door. You came to the side door. Well, this is how they think it, what happened in those days that in the Christian community there was a rich person and people would gather, but on some occasions the rich Christians would come first and they would have a meal in the dining room because they're a bit more leisurely, they got more time. But then many of them were slaves and poor and had to work really hard, so they would come later in the day, some of them without any food at all. So some were hungry and some were well-fed actually some of them not only well fed but they had a bit too much wine so some of them were drunk some of them are hungry some of them are drunk and then as they were all gathered the host probably said now we're going to break bread and remember the lord's death and paul says it's not the lord's supper it's not about the words it's not about having the right people there's something in the way you're doing it and what it's saying. The Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper in this situation because there's a lack of compassion and care for the weakest and the poorest. Because of what this meal is supposed to represent, besides anything else, it's not just saying something about him who died for us, it's saying something about us that we're members of his body, we're members of his family, that God loves us equally. The Baptist church, where I had lived in the manse, um, it was a Victorian chapel. And so it had a balcony all the way around, and we had lovely wooden pews on the ground floor. And by the time I've got there, uh, no one ever, in fact, um, sat up there, except the one service when I became the pastor, and then... Friends, family, people from other churches turned up and it was full up. But most of the time we just met on the ground floor. And I I went through the church records because I'd had the church records from the very beginning. And I, I quite like history. So I checked out about the balcony and when was it full. And I found out, do you know who sat in the balcony? The servants of the rich people that sat on the ground floor. And do you know why they sat in the balcony? Because when it... In that those times, you did communion like it as a little separate service at the end of the main service. So when the main service ended, the servants quietly came down the stairs and went back home to make sure dinner was ready, for when the rich people had had communion came home. I wonder what Paul would have written to that church. Is it the Lord's Supper? What's it saying to the people that don't partake? And we were known even in living memory, and it still might be in some places, that people who of different colour can't be in the same church. I think the Lord might say, it's not really the Lord's Supper. It's certainly not the Lord's Supper in all its fullness when there are such divisions. When's the Lord's Supper when not the Lord's Supper. Well, it's not about words or the right people or understanding or procedures or the wrong type of bread. It's when there's a lack of compassion and care. Excuse me. I got lost. Have you, how could that happen? I mean, how did that happen back then? when it's, so too obvious, it's obvious that's wrong, isn't it? How could it happen in Victorian England when there was upstairs and downstairs, even in the church family? How could it happen that in South Africa, at one time, you couldn't meet together? How could it happen in the southern states of America it was like that at some stage? How does that happen? This is what happens. What is socially accepted might not be spiritually accepted. But what is socially accepted sometimes blinds us to what is spiritually unacceptable to God. Because we live in an environment that thinks a a certain way and we're all creatures that get affected by how the wider community thinks and unless you think very carefully you can pick up very bad attitudes and carry them on into your Christian life and be moulded by the way society thinks rather than the way Jesus thinks. When there's the Lord's Supper not the Lord's Supper? When the people that Jesus died for, some of them feel less important than other people. When Do you know, every church, every community has a bit of an in-crowd and an out-crowd. Did you know that? And if you don't think your church has one, you're probably in the (laughs) in-crowd. It's simply true. You can't have a big group of people without some people feeling most closely connected and some people feeling a bit on the edge. And that's why, in a Christian community, you always should be open and draw people in. to make. I turned up at a church once, and they, their entrance into the hall was on the side. And I came in. I came in a little bit early, but other people were coming in. And uh, I'm sure it doesn't happen here, but people of the welcome team all talking to each other with their backs to the door. And uh, I wasn't quite sure where to go, and Val and I, my wife and I, were standing there, and we're looking around, and they're all talking... And no one's taking any notice. And other people, besides us, who were obviously visitors, because visitors usually turn up on time. And Christians tend to turn up late. So they're coming in too, and you can tell, oh, you know, you know what do we do in this place? So that, and then these people So I woke up, there were people coming in, they turned round, and they saw it was me. Now, because I've done lots of training, lots of them knew me. And at that point, you could have thought we were the most important people in the room. Oh, Mick, come, let's show you a seat. Are you all right? But there were other new people coming in who weren't getting the same attention. I don't think Jesus is like that, do you? I think Jesus would make more fuss of the frail person that came in. The person who came in looked like they got a bit, you know, carried a burden that week. The person that, Creeped in because they didn't feel that they were worthy. And had taken great courage to come. The Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper when the people that God loves feel unloved and unworthy. My daughters, I love my daughters, they brought me, as a joke, a t-shirt once. And in big writing on the front, it said, God loves you. But there was some smaller writing underneath. Do you know what it said? But I'm his (laughs) favourite. And quite a few times, I thought about wearing it. I was only going to wear it to the office. I wasn't going to wear it to church on a Sunday. I thought that would be fun. That would raise a smile. But I couldn't even wear it to the office. Because when I thought about it, it... It pained me. And you don't need to have had the t-shirt to have done that to people. Who are the people who most need to be encouraged in your church community and in your wider community? Who feel left out or unworthy or like they've got nothing to offer. It's those very people that need to be made feel special. And if they're Christians, they need to be known that they are precious to Jesus and they're just as much part of the family as anybody else. And they may never be able to get on a rota, and they might demand more support than anybody else. But in God's eyes, they are precious. There's a lovely story about, I think it was a pope. At the end of the Roman Empire, when the, um, the barbarians were coming in, one time, um, it was either a bishop or a pope. So if you, you church historians might be able to help me out sometime. But the, the barbarian king came to this rich church that had lots of gold and silver. Stuff like that. And he said, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want you to have all your treasures in the church. And we're going to take them away. And when he got back, do you know what he found? He found the lame, the sick, the elderly. And he wasn't the way, he knew he was going to have to give the gold and the silver as well. But he said, Here's my treasures. These are God's treasures. I don't know about you. Do you ever you know, imagine being in some of the situations you read about in the Bible? You know, being there you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000. Or being there when Jesus died at the, on the cross, like John and Mary. Mary. Can you imagine them taking Jesus down from the cross and he's he it says he's almost beyond human recognition and he's been beaten and he's bruised and he's bloodied and his body has been racked with pain his joints are twisted And there he is in nakedness, all twisted, tortured. Wouldn't you, I'm sure you would, have lovingly put his, his limbs in the right place and wiped his brow and carried that body to the tomb as though it was the most precious thing and the most wonderful thing that you had ever been part of, that you looked after his body when it was so weak and so vulnerable. Paul talks about in that reading, eating the bread and the wine and drinking the wine without discerning the body. And he's talking about this body. He's talking about other members of the church, that this is the body. You cannot go back in history to that physical body of Jesus but there are parts of his body today that are bruised and broken and hurting and you, we really show how we would have treated that body by how we treat this body and we know that because when Paul became a follower of Jesus what happened he'd been persecuting Christians and Jesus says, Why do you persecute me? What you do to other Christians, you do to him. So, the Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper if you eat without discerning that this family is the body of Christ and that you take most care and give greatest honor to those that think they're the least worthy. And when that happens his spirit comes to reside with us in greater measure. It's interesting isn't it? Paul uh, doesn't give many instructions in this. I, I think the only instruction he says late I'm coming back and I'll give you further instructions. But the only instruction is was like eat before you come. And that's because of what I call the Half past seven problem. I don't know if it, what happens in Billinghouse. If you ever, some, you ever want someone invites you around for a meal in the evening, their meal is always later than you normally have your own meal at home. Do you, do you have that? You know, It's like, come around at eight. And I think, well, that's... We usually eat around seven. So around seven, I'm feeling a bit hungry. So then there's always the problem, isn't it? How much do you eat? And if I'm not careful, I eat too much then because I have very little self-control over food. And then you eat too much and then you get there and there's this lavish spread and it's like, I have the look from the wife, which is, you've got to eat it. You've got to, I don't care how full you are, it serves you right, but you've got to eat it. Or you think, last time I ate too much before I came and I don't eat anything and you get there... And you're starving. And sometimes you know, they say, dinner's not quite ready. Just go in the other room. There are a few bits to eat. Well, if I'm not careful, I get there. Not very polite. Paul says, if you're going to be hungry before you get, that's what he's mean. If you're going to be hungry before you get to the meeting, eat something now. Not because you won't eat anything when we meet. And they usually had a meal together but so that you're not so absorbed with your needs that you can't look to the needs of other people. And then the only other way he addresses this, he doesn't give them instructions, he gives them a vision of Jesus. And what he's saying, it's all about him. That's why he gives the words of the institution, the ones that often people say at communion. Not to say, you must say all these words in this order. But to say, look, don't you know it's about him? On the night that he was betrayed. He took bread. He said these words. "Is a new covenant in his blood. And he is coming again. You've got to realise that this is all about him. It's not about you. Now, I wonder if it's a slight dig at the people who are hosted. You know, the people with the big house. Because you can imagine saying, well, it's my house, I invite who I want for a meal. I've, um, Craig knows this, I I love my books. And um, I'm having to reduce the size of my library because I can't get them all in the house. But it's been easy to give away books because years ago I was one day collecting my books, they're like old friends. And I'm thinking about all my books. And every now and again, people would ask me to borrow them. i think, like, well, if I'd lend them to you, will I ever get them back? And the track record is about 20% always get lost if you lend them. That's my experience. Even when I stamp them inside and put a sticky label on the outside, they still never come back. And I'm, so I'm, I'm so like doing that calculation. Is this person trustworthy? You know, will they give me it back? Will they remember? And the Lord, I just felt the Lord say, whose books are they? Well, they're my books. That's obvious you know sometimes you do that and then you get this sort of silence from heaven like that's a wrong answer. Okay, Lord. I think the right answer is they're your books. Well done, Mick. You know, you've been a Christian a long time. Your pastor is taking you a long time. They're my books which I'm entrusting to you. So what's your question? Your question is how do I want you to use them? I suppose you want me to lend them. (laughs) I'm a bit more generous than that. So the host is hearing this and it's like, whose meeting is it? Well, it's in my house. It's my meeting. Wrong answer. You know, nothing we have actually is ours. We've been bought with a price. Slaves don't own anything. They just look after things our homes are not for us to treat as we will as we will but as he wills especially if we're having a like going to break bread together it's his meeting we think about him he's the host it's not your supper his the lord's supper and how does he want to treat the people around you when is the lord's supper not the lord's supper when we don't think like this when we don't discern the body when it's all about us and not about him. And because when those words are, those words of warning, which often we leave out, talking about drinking and eating judgment on yourself. You see, at that last supper, while Jesus is preparing his disciples and himself for what's going to happen the next day, that he's going to die on a cross. What's Judas doing? He's calculating what he can do with his 30 pieces of silver. He's thinking about what's in this for me while Jesus is thinking about giving his life for them. And you know sometimes I can find myself being a little like Judas and less like Jesus than I want to be. How much should I get out of this morning? Will I get enough? Or how much can I give to others? In a moment, we're going to take the bread and the wine. But why don't you take a moment just to think. Let's make sure that what we're going to do in the next few minutes really is the Lord's Supper, not because we've got some bread And we've got some grape juice to remind us of his body and blood. But it becomes really the Lord's Supper because we're going to treat each other like brothers and sisters, like blood-bought people. And we're going to treat everybody as though they are uniquely precious to God. So take a moment, and what... I'm gonna lead through this, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna do it in a normal way where you're gonna to go to the the tables to get the bread and the wine. But before you take bread and wine, without saying anything, I want to express you to express your love to at least one other person. So it might be a hug. Some of you look like hugging people. <laughs> Some of you might not. Might be a handshake. Actually, I will let you say a few words of blessing or help. Or you might just want to say, I'm the one that needs help today. For this is not supposed to be a ritual, it's supposed to be a family meal. And as we do that, we do that knowing Jesus is consciously here with us and we need to be conscious of him. And you know what? He might even speak to you about what to say or who to hug. So let's pray for a minute. Lord, you know... Um, we can go through much of our life in routine mode we do things day after day, week after week in the same way and we can forget why we're doing them Lord this can even happen with something as precious as your supper which is supposed to be so meaningful to us You gave us to teach us of your love and your coming kingdom to remind us that we are family and to strengthen us that as we eat bread and drink the wine we consciously open ourselves to you to say Lord we need the refreshment of your Holy Spirit we need the forgiveness of our sins we need the strength that only you can give us and we need you to give us the love for each other that speaks of the supernatural blessing that we enjoy so in these moments lord in the quiet and in the connecting with one another lord help it help us that when we take the bread and the wine in that moment we remember you for you really are the bread of life and the water of life Amen. I'm going to ask if the band would like to come up and just play something gently for us. Um, and and here's your instructions, which I've given you. I remind you, before you take the bread and the wine, you are to express your love to people in some way. So some people, I don't know. So some people might be brand new here. Guess what? They're the ones who probably need it gently done, but most feel a bit, I'm in the right place. And it might mean that you, it's not just the person next to you, that's cheating, do that to the person next to you. But it might be moving to another person. And if you, this is for the followers of Jesus, so if you've not got to that point, and I, I really hope there are people here that are here to explore and try to f- find out about this the bread and the wine is for Jesus, but for the sharing of love you can do and you can receive and we're really glad you're here. Does that make sense? The Lord be with you as you do this and may you know his presence and may your love between each other deepen. Amen.